Listen, I did film and television studies at university for three years. I spent hours reading countless books and articles on subjects spanning from film all the way to television. Not a single one mentioned Hugh Grant once. I achieved the hardest qualification across any university or college ever, a 2-1 in history. Let me tell you, the only thing that I learned was that we, as a society, have a history of denying and neglecting Hugh Grant's artistic and cultural relevance, not just in this country, but in the entire world. I met Oscar at a Hugh Grant-themed event I put on at the Students' Union. It felt as though Diggory and I were the only ones there. And we agreed that there was a Hugh Grant-shaped hole in academia. We decided to put it right ourselves. We want to show people that he's an icon in acting. We want to show people he's more than just a bumbling posh guy. I'm Diggory Waite. And I'm Oscar Beardmore Gray. And, and this, this is... Taking Hugh for Granted. Hello and welcome to Taking Hugh for Granted, the podcast in which two Hugh Grant enthusiasts watch every single film starring Hugh Grant in the attempt to answer the simple question, is this film taking Hugh for granted? Is this film good on its own or does it rely on the bumbling Brit for its acclaim? I'm Diggory Waite and I'm joined as always by my colleague and fellow Hugh Grant obsessive Oscar Beermore Grey. Oscar, how the bloody hell are you doing today, mate? I'm doing great, Diggory, because we have tracked down Hugh oh. Grant's first ever film and it's taken a long time but we've got there in the end people at home won't realize how huge a moment this is so oscar and i originally when we planned on doing this podcast we were like well obviously we'll start with his first ever film a film called privilege that came out in 1982 you click on it on imdb you read a bit more it's a student film when he was at oxford university they made it did come out on bbc i think someone bought it and they aired it but like it was resigned to history because it was a you know, everyone thought it was a bit crap and it was really it was really low budget and stuff. So it wasn't really that crazy. So we couldn't find it anywhere. We couldn't find it anywhere. And we were thinking about doing like a mini podcast series, like Finding Privileged and like messaging people at the BBC, going through their archives, all that sort of stuff. And then Oscar, how did you find it? Some great soul posted it on YouTube. As it's just it was like, I don't know what was happening. I was just as you do, trolling through Hugh Grant YouTube. And then I pressed on the tab that said in the past month stuff that's been uploaded. And there it was, like a, a gift wrapped present. Yeah. It's only got like 500 views on YouTube at the moment, but people are loving it. And yeah, so if, I mean, if you're listening to this, you can now go and watch Hugh Grant's first ever movie on YouTube and it hasn't been taken down and I've downloaded it. So we've got it forever now. Yeah, we've got it forever. People get in there in your droves right now. Like you say, there's, there's what is it's nice. It's like finding people to watch it. There's a lovely little community underneath of like a few commenters and everyone's being like, isn't this great? La la la. Doesn't Hugh look funny? Um, it's lovely. It's a great vibe. But anyway, we're here. Hugh Grant's first ever film. It's quite incredible, isn't it? It is incredible, and I can't wait to talk about it, Diggs. Let's have a synopsis from Synopsis Simon to kick us off this episode. Privileged, directed by Michael Hoffman and released in 1982. Edward Blake, played by Robert Woolley, is one of a group of Oxford undergraduates taking part in a student production of The Duchess of Malfi. During rehearsals of the play, Edward strikes up a romance with fellow actor Anne, played by Diana Catis, and later Lucy, played by Victoria Studd. Whilst Edward tries to keep his relationship with one a secret from the other, he must also make sure his dalliance with Lucy is kept from her boyfriend, Lord Adrian, played by 
Huey Grant. Wicked, wonderful stuff there from Synopsis Simon. So, Oscar, I think important to talk about, maybe more so than any other film he's ever done, talking about the context of this film. Is there anything that you've like found out about it that you're like, that's crazy? Well, the one thing that I did find out about, there's not much about this film as we, mm. as we discussed earlier, but there is this one great quote from Hugh about this film. It, I think he says this, said it quite a bit later on in his career, but he basically said that the only reason he, he did this film is because he wanted to have sex with one of the leading ladies. I think he said, <laughs> he said, the first time I was in front of a camera was when I was at Oxford University and we did a very pretentious student film i didn't have any goal apart from having sex with a girl called victoria stud who was in the film it was the only reason that i did it i mean that sounds like classic <laughs> Hugh, doesn't it it really really does i mean yeah apparently he just joined the amateur dramatic society there just because you know yeah he was bored he had nothing to do there was lots of girls in the society clearly victoria stud was one of them um she's married to helena bonham carter's brother brother yeah, yeah. And uh, she's still out there. She's still active. She's, a, I think, a TV presenter. So who knows? They could rekindle that that love. Mm. I mean, there were certainly a lot of uh, posh toffs, weren't there, on this production, as there were, I'm Ooh. sure, at Oxford University in the 80s. Like, you know, Helen, Helena Bonham Carter somehow gets her name in there somehow. But we had James yeah. Wilby also, again, yes, came back up James in this film. James Wilby! Woohoo! He's yeah. looking... You know, he looks about 12 in this movie. Yeah. It's quite yeah. funny. Um, but we've also, who else did we have? We had Mark Williams, who plays Mr. Weasley in Harry Potter. And that, Mr. Weasley. This was his first ever film as well. That's It's crazy, isn't it? When I saw that, I was like, hang on, this is mad. Because, you know, they're two big actors in this film. It's star-studded. Mm. And there was also, I don't know if you realise that um, Imogen Stubbs was also in this movie. And she was, I think she was one of the sisters in Sense and Sensibility. So she didn't have like a huge career, but she definitely appeared in some stuff afterwards. Mm. And also Michael Hoffman, who was the American in this movie. He's actually a director, but he acts in this film too. But he went on to direct Restoration. So there was the link between Hugh. No. They must have met on this movie. And, and, oh. and you know, I guess Restoration was 1995, I think. So 13 years later, he got the call from his old mate, Michael Hoffman. And yeah, that must have been it. Yeah, Michael Hoffman, like you say, directed this film, no fool either, because he directed A Midsummer Night's Dream, One Fine Day with George Clooney. So like, you think to yourself, he's a serious director. And it's weird, John Schlesinger, <laughs> Schlesinger, Schlesinger, uh, <laughs> which when you look up this film, this he's a huge director. He won uh, Best Director for Midnight Cowboy in the 60s. So he's a big deal and his mark is all over this film. Like you can't, he's not credited, I don't think, as like one of the directors. But like when you look it up on Wikipedia and IMDb, they say that he was heavily involved in the film. So he clearly took a liking to Hoffman and they did it there. So again, this film really has like so much talent in it. Um, but then that leads me to maybe ask you, Oscar, what were your general thoughts mm. as you went through it? I always thought it was a pretty decent watch. And to put this into context again, I think this might have been the first independent film ever to come out of Oxford University. That's what I read online. Wow. I actually thought it was better than quite a few of Hugh Grant's, some of his other films later on in his career. They had some pretty good characters. Um, the main guy who looks a bit like sort of a posh John Travolta in some ways. I thought he was fairly fa fairly convincing. And yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a kind of a whodunit film and I, I liked it. Yeah, I have to agree. I literally, I thought the exact same thing. I was sitting there thinking like, you can tell in many senses that it is a student film, but the fact that it's like 
10 times more watchable than a lot of the drivel we've seen through Hugh Grant's career in, in stuff that, you know, has had 10 times the budget with actual professionals behind it. Like, says a whole, whole lot. So you have to watch it anywhere if you're a Hugh Grant fan. It's his first ever film. And we haven't even said yet the fact that it was his first film. He's technically... It's not Hugh Grant in it. It's Huey Grant. <laughs> Huey Grant, yeah. <laughs> Cute old Huey Grant. Yeah. It makes you wonder what Hugh Grant was like at university because we know it, you know, we don't know a whole lot, but we know there's sort of photos of him at various bulls and mm. you know, if Oxford University has a lot of sort of pretentious bulls where people would dress up in silly costumes. And in this film there's a bit of that as well, isn't there? And you can kind of imagine Hugh was definitely in those circles. Yeah, I think like like he like you said with your quote from him i think he probably joined the dr- dramatic society there for more fun and japes and games and like you know revelry really and i guess the the acting was at that time uh, a side gig which i think he he says to everyone um i think he's said up to that point his biggest role as we know was brigitte in um music. <laughs> in sound of music and i think before that in Alice in Wonderland, he played the bunny and he had lovely little ears and he said it was a show-stopping performance. And in the interviewer, he was like, I'm sure you've already heard of that, though, because obviously it was that good. Um, so until then, that was all he'd acted in. But I think before we talk more about Hugh Grant's character, because he comes in quite late into the film, doesn't he? Mm. So mm. I feel like maybe it's good to talk a little bit about the other characters and a bit more about the other fits in the film mm. to get a feel for it. Who wants some more? More film chat, film chat. More film chats on the way. Some more film chat, film chat. With Oscar and Diggeray. More film chat, film chat. Today is the day. For more film chat, film chat. And a Hugh Grant film. Hooray! Yeah, so, I mean, our main man, John Travolta, and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, John Travolta, um, otherwise known as Edward, he's a confident lad, and he's clearly the, the B-knock. He's the big man on campus. Yeah. Um, he's been in a few productions before, and he he has a thing with this, this, this lady who won't tell him her name at a party. Mm. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're going to, to find out who's in the play, and it turns out she's the leading lady alongside him. And then they sort of go through this various rehearsals and stuff. And then another leading mm. lady kind of joins the fray who happens to be Hugh Grant's girlfriend. Diggs, what, what did you make of, of Edward and his and the other ladies who were who were uh, leading this film? Well, it's it's interesting. So, yeah, like what I remember the beginning of this film. It starts with one of those parties that you talked about before and this guy Edward is there and this girl and she's wearing this mask and it's all it's all really quite sexy. You have to say it, it really is. And he's like, take off your mask and she's like, no. And he's like, what's your name? And she says, cat. And he's like, that's not a name. That's the name of an animal. Um, and so it's all quite sexy and saucy and then everyone piles back to his place. It's all good. Everyone leaves except for them. Good night. Good night. Drive safely, Imogen. <laughs> Well, where were we? Uh, but what I didn't like about this film, maybe where the film shows its age a bit, is the fact that it really was, it wasn't great. He was like, stay, and she was like, no. And he was like, I'm serious, stay. Yeah, and it's all I'm a bit force like... force you to stay. Look, you asked me back for a chat and a drink. Well, we've had a chat and a drink. So how do I get out of here? It would be much simpler if you stayed. I don't want to stay. I'm not used to girls running out on me in the middle of the night. For you. My heart goes out to you. Good. 
look, it's late and I have to get up in the morning and I have to work. So, my clue, please. Why, you bastard. Thanks for the drink. It, that already put me on a weird vibe. So park that, remember that, because basically Edward is the original fuckboy. Um, <laughs> these are these are absolutely... Forget Love Island. Yeah, <laughs> this is what we're talking about right here. Forget Jolly Shaw all that. He is a complete fuckboy because, yeah, he's like chirpsing this girl and, and when they start rehearsing together, he's keeping it going, trying to chirps her. Eventually, he meets Hugh Grant and Hugh Grant's girlfriend and... He starts this illicit affair with Hugh Grant's girlfriend. The original girl he was trying to get with sort of cottons onto this. It's sort of like a woman's intuition where she's like, mm. she doesn't necessarily know there's someone else, but she can she can sense something. Sense it. Exactly. And so then she tries to start wooing him again, Edward again. And which is what's annoying about this, because you're like, well, this guy is a complete knob mm. who has no regard for morals and is really like been a bit weird and non-consensual with you already. And now you want to seduce him. It's annoying. Um, and so it creates this big old tangle. So in amongst all that, a guy keeps sending Anne um, roses. And that guy is James Wilby. Who, poor James. I know, poor James. If Edward is the original fuckboy, then James Wilby is unfortunately the original simp. And <laughs> he keeps inviting Anne out for drinks and stuff. And she keeps being like, no, I'm, I'm busy. And then for the same evening, we'll try and invite mm-hmm. out Edward. And I very, mean, very James, Will- James Wilby has a serious glow up in Morris, doesn't he, compared to this? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, yeah, he, he like you said, he looks about 12 years old in this film. And also, to be honest, it, what's quite nice is actually he's showing his acting chops because in this film he plays a bit of a, I feel like he plays a bit of a doofus and a bit of a <laughs> dumbo, you know, like a bit clueless and a bit like, hey. Whereas in <laughs> Morris, he's a lot more like, you know, he's showing he's his with acting. it, yeah. He's yeah. yeah, and reserved, and you know, and intelligent, uh, and well spoken and stuff. So that's quite nice to see the difference. But maybe let's talk about James Wilby for a second, just because obviously, does this not work so well for the universe again? Is this not a prequel to to Morris? It does work extremely well. I mean, Hugh must have first met James uh, at Oxford, and it's just a shame that he won't tell us more by coming on the podcast because uh, <laughs> sa- we have sent him emails, yeah. which he hasn't responded to. So, James, if you're listening to us, uh, come on down. Come on down. We'd love to have you on and talk more. Talk privileged with yeah. us. Like, no, I don't think there's ever been a podcast about privilege. There can't have been. Yeah, because no one could bloody find the film until now. But the film is... Yeah, it's basically all about this love affair. So maybe that's a good time because now you know how entangled it is and how there's all these crossed thorns and entangled roots. Mm. Hugh Grant starts to play a role. Huey Grant. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Huey Grant starts to play a role. Well, I'm taking you. I'm taking you for granted. So we should we got to talk Hugh Grant's first ever moment on screen. What do you make of it? You're going to have to remind me because genuinely I can't even remember what the first moment was. Well, he's got he's like coming out of the water with some like deer on his back. I completely missed that. <laughs> Which is absolutely insane because he references it in the next bit. Can you tell can you see his face though? Isn't it at night? 
You can't really see his face, but you can see his hair. Ah. His hair's a dead giveaway. Mate. We already know this, but Hugh, he's probably, I think he's about 22 in this film. Mm. And he's just got fantastic hair. And this fir- <laughs> this first mo- the first moment he's ever on screen, it's really weird. I don't really understand why. Edward is like by the river at night. And Hugh just has literally a deer on his back which he's killed and blood all over his hands you're like what the (laughs) hell this come out absolutely nowhere yeah afterwards like he explains in the next scene that like i was to kill it by cutting its throat and then i was to carry it across the river and then cut out its heart and burn the remains in the flames (laughs) of course the college knew i'd do it from the first day i came here because my grandfather had done it and my great-grandfather we give the college a great deal of money and they agree to punish us for our frivolity. You mean they're going to send you down? Of course. It's part of the agreement. And you don't mind leaving? He doesn't intend to. My father gave me this house. That's part of the agreement too. As expected, Hughes, a massive posho. I mean, it's easy to see how someone like David Cameron might have... Uh... What was what was he said to have done with the pig? I listen. If we'd have to bleep it out, we we don't have to say. <laughs> but yes, it, it, it seems to me at Oxford and Cambridge University, there's a certain amount of ritual. Yes, that seems to be passed down the ages, such as killing deer, <laughs> dragging it through campus. Yeah, or putting your knob in a pig. Um, you know, all manners of bestiality. It's yeah, it's not good news. <laughs> One thing I will say as well is that. This also started an incredibly consistent uh, thread throughout his early works, which is just lots of sex. Lots of, lots of sex. I mean, a bit of romance here and there, but mostly it's just a very, very... His early career is just a sexy, sexy, saucy, fun ride. Um, And it's just interesting to see that, yeah, this first film, lots of kissing and sexiness and it's just like it, it's yeah he started very much how he meant to go on right up mm. until i'd probably say about four weddings and a funeral it feels like sex was under you know bubbling under each of his films even films like the lair of the white worm which might even be the sexiest one there's loads of weird shit in that <laughs> like um, well i mean if there's ever a reason to watch the movie that's it i mean i think also <laughs> hugh just also another thing in pretty much his first I don't know, maybe 10 movies. He mm. is a lord. He's a lord. He's Lord Adrian in this, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Morris, Lair of the White Worm. Yeah. He may as well be in Four Weddings. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. I saw someone speaking about this film online and they were like, oh, I haven't been able to track privilege down, but apparently he plays a student from Oxford who's actually also a lord. Hmm. I, I guess it's hard to imagine him as that, lol. And it's like, yeah, they're absolutely right. Like, that could be pretty much every film he's in for the early part of his career. Uh, they're absolutely spot on. Well, you're listening to Hugh Grant, taking Hugh for granted on the radio. So, as I said, Edward starts this illicit affair with Hugh Grant's girlfriend. Edward and Hugh Grant's girlfriend are kissing Mm. in a closet. Hugh Grant happens to walk by and goes... Maybe I'll look in here. (laughs) Opens the door and there is perhaps the longest and most awkward pause in the world. And then he just, Edward is like, Hugh, he's like, 
It just slaps him around the face. It's the most beautiful slap in the world. Scenes like that, though, what did you think about his his character? Because I think those moments really show off what his character's like. Yeah, he's a bit he's a bit wet, isn't he? He's a bit. Yeah, yeah. He seems like quite like anxious, paranoid, mm. insecure, unsure of himself. Like he gives me this sense that he he's this like posh, privileged, I guess, privileged being the name guy who doesn't really fit in to the sort of crowd that he's in, but is trying his very best, but is very insecure of himself. And he just sort of has this like almost like show girlfriend who doesn't really like him that much. And they pretend they're kind of like in love, Mm. but actually they're not. And then like his kind of reaction to her kissing him was, it was a little bit weird where he was just like, Lucy, Lucy. (laughs) And then he kind of goes into this like weird trance, doesn't he? It was was strange. So there's another one of these mad parties and Huey Grant finds a gun. Uh, and a couple of guns, I think. <laughs> out yeah. of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And then he's, he goes up to Edward and he's like, right, mate. You're a coward. I want a duel. Coward! Please take one. Thank you, honestly. I just wouldn't know what to do with it. Huey Grant's girlfriend. Lucy. Is like... Just leave it. Just piss off. Huey storms off. Everyone rushes outside. And he's blown his bloody brains out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was really unexpected. Like, I mean, it's not the first time Hughes had his brains blown out, but I didn't expect this in his first ever film. Yeah. And, And it is kind of weird because, like, Edward, like, just kind of goes up to him and, like, just sort of, he's like, oh, Hughes dead too bad yeah and that that's kind of it yeah i saw i feel like this was where it really get, did get that like sort of student film feel yeah where they don't really have the special effects to see hugh's actual brains being blown up so you so you just hear a sound of a gun and then you see red face paint all over him and you're like, oh <laughs> yeah. we must be dead then yeah and um, also it's just a thing where they're like right we need something mental to happen but we're not going to build up to it or have anything around it we're just going to have it happen and then everyone will react and then yeah the film will end well it's annoying though for the universe because obviously you know we want to link it to morris and it be a prequel to morris but you can't really do that when hugh grant's dead <laughs> It's quite Yeah, annoying. we want him to turn into Clive Durham all of a second. Exactly. Yeah, like 10 years later, yeah. Huey Grant has a little moustache yes. and he lives in this massive mansion. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's dead, unfortunately. Taking he for granted. Taking he for granted. Taking he for granted. What did you think, lads? Were they taking he for granted? So, uh, Diggs, Diggs, we've got... We've already got to the end of this episode. Mm. Uh, Hugh Grant's first ever movie, Privileged. Yeah. Are we taking Hugh for granted? I can't believe we're here. Honestly, I want people to really realise this is mad that we've just watched this film. We've talked about it. I'm so glad that we've done that. Um, I'm really struggling with this, Oscar. It was getting to the end of the film. and I was thinking, what am I going to say here? Because like we said earlier, like this is much more watchable than a lot of the films we've watched. What I think has happened is, and this might... People might hate this. I'm starting to think that the more of these films we've watched, the more the bar has lowered. Mm. I'm worrying that actually, I, this is quite worrying. And I, a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this. I'm actually worried that I'm discovering an unfortunate trend in Hugh Grant's films in that actually a lot of them aren't great. And <laughs> and actually, it the bar is quite low for him not to be taking you for granted. So I'm going to say... 
it really pains me to say it because it's his first film, even if it is a student film, it's great fun. His hair's fantastic. I'll tell you what, his acting and his feeble acting is fabulous and he's really fun. It's really great. However, he's not in the film enough. The film isn't really amazing mm. and I'm, it doesn't have enough for me to really sink my teeth into. So I'm going to say Hugh Grant's first film has been taking Hugh for granted. But what about you? I'm pretty shocked, to be honest, Diggs. Um, it seems like you're betraying us. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And I think I, uh, yeah, I'm worried that I'm going to get strung up for this. You're a traitor. Yeah. Just a traitor in our midst. Um, I think I'm going to say we are not taking you for granted, Diggs. Yes, dude. I, I think what you said at the beginning is bang on. Like, we are just blessed to be here. We're, we're blessed to be watching this film and even having the chance to review it. Mm. I don't think there's going to be many people post-1985 who've who've seen this movie. Mm. So I think we have to to acknowledge the fact that it was a student production. And for a student production in 1982, to be watching it now 20, 30 years later, pretty much, (sighs) and still be thinking that wasn't bad. Mm. And I, I thought there was a lot of like actually quite sort of fun like 1980s stuff in this movie like for example like mm. i thought their discos and parties looked pretty fun like you know they had like kind of like the jam and the dire straits were like in full force i can you know, i could kind of imagine that and like everyone was wearing cool stuff uh that looked pretty fun and like you know just student life in the 80s look it looked like a fun time mm. um and i think they portrayed that quite well while hugh yes he wasn't in the film enough and he was only really here just getting his foot in the door. Mm. We've got to look at this and view it as a piece of history and a real cinematic find for us. And yeah, I don't think we can say anything, but we're not taking you for granted. I think that's probably i think that's more fair than my assessment how can we have taken Hugh for granted when this was the show this was the film this is the production that gave him his first break where those agents saw him from that i think mm. you're absolutely right i think the problem is digs that you, i i think maybe you're you're more of a, like a a pure film critic mm. you you know film critic hat on looking at the sort of you know the makeup and the structure of the film whereas i'm more of a gut I, i've gone with my gut here on on the, the on the actual the, the significance of the movie the significance could be no greater when it's his first but i think that I, th- I think that's a fair enough assessment if you if you're going on film critic versus significance to meet somewhere in the middle is probably balanced yeah or privileged absolutely but there you have it there you have it yeah absolute joy to talk to you about this one digs and mm. uh yeah it's just a shame we're not going to be able to do the podcast series uh finding privileged but yes yes yeah and to be honest like we kind of i guess just to add on like we kind of expected in some of these lesser films or shit films maybe like <laughs> an awful yeah. shite adventure yeah so our audience kind of you know you know kind of tapering off a little bit but to be quite honest the fans have stuck with us yeah. through these films, so we we massively appreciate it. And like, we still get messages on Instagram. Like, yes, like a couple of days ago, we had this great message about the Bengali night, didn't we? Yes. Oh, uh, one of our fans said that she her family's estate was where the Bengali night was filmed, which is epic. Like, that is just amazing. Those crazy 
tangential connections to Hugh is what we love. I, I'm so jealous. That's like such a direct link to Hugh Grant. Yeah. And all I've got is this bloody podcast. You know, <laughs> why can't I have a family estate that he, you know, I don't know, filmed Paddington 2 in? So Diggs, why don't we, um, at some point we're going to go to India together and we're going to yeah. go on a private tour of this estate and then we're going to do a vlog. Hugh yeah. Grant was here in 1989 filming the Megali night. He was, he turned around this corner and he looked all rugged and he was covered in oil and that was probably the sexiest he'd ever looked and it was there right there on that court street corner there. God that was a shite film. That was the highlight though. <laughs> he looked like Aragorn or something from Lord of the Rings. He was so rugged. I've never seen, you never you don't think of Hugh Grant as rugged. No you don't. But, you don't. I mean but he was. he was there. It was about yeah. as close as he got to the cannibal Hugh in uh, in in the Cloud Atlas. Oh, gee, the, uh, the less said about that, the better. My word. Right, gang. As I say, follow us on the socials. Look up Taking Hugh for Granted on Twitter. At Taking Hugh. Yes, look up Taking Hugh for Granted on Facebook and Instagram. Keep sending us those lovely messages. We're loving it. We're loving you, Oscar. Until next time. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. Taking Hugh for Granted is produced, edited and presented by Diggory Waite and Oscar Beardmore-Gray. The producers of Taking Hugh for Granted would like to state that this podcast is in no way associated with the actor Hugh John Mungo Grant, nor does it endorse his views or represent him in any way. Instead, by creating this podcast, Oscar and Diggory hope to celebrate Hugh's illustrious career, reliving his old classics and shedding light on some of his hidden gems. Hugh. If you're listening, we hope you approve.